Chapter Six of the Story of Garfield by William G. Rutherford. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by William Tomko. The Story of Garfield by William G. Rutherford. Chapter Six, Man Making. At work on the farm, a good mother's teaching, a school incident, the building of a new school, Bible lessons, the Garfield's motto the garfield farm provided for many of the wants of the family but money was needed to provide clothing and books and to pay the teachers who came from time to time thomas therefore earned all he could by engaging himself for short periods to any of the neighbors who required help james attended school before he was four years old and began to work on the farm when he was only eight in the absence of thomas he took his elder brother's place he chopped wood milked the cows, and made himself useful in a variety of ways. Mrs. Garfield was anxious to give Thomas a chance to make his way in the world, and therefore she arranged that James should make himself as perfect as possible in farm work before Thomas was of age. At the same time, she told James that she looked forward to the time when he would be able to take his place as a teacher or a preacher. In the meantime, it was his duty to do the work that lay nearest to his hand just as he set himself to learn with all his might in the same way he went about the work of the farm when anything had to be done he said i can do it and he did he was not always successful at the first attempt but his self-reliance caused him to peg away in the face of every difficulty and even seeming failure and he invariably succeeded in the end his mother was ever on the watch to help him by her kindly counsels and wise advice many an old proverb which sang deep into the lad's heart and helped to build up his character first fell on his ears from his mother's lips she taught him that man's will to do well was rewarded by god's blessing on his labors the will to do finds the way to do and god helps the one who does his best this was a revelation to james who thought that god only helped people to be good his mother opened his eyes to the fact that this meant to be good in everything good boys good men good workers good thinkers good farmers and good teachers after that he regarded god as one who would help him in his daily labor and make all his efforts successful or in other words he saw clearly the truth of the proverb god helps those who help themselves two phases of his character were developed at a very early age and these coupled with good natural abilities made him master of the situation as we have already seen he had plenty of self-reliance the feeling that he could do anything that could be done and the determination to make the most of himself then he was ready-witted and able to grapple with unexpected emergencies this will to be seen in an incident which took place when he was a boy at school one day he was sitting by the side of his cousin henry boynton when the two lads began to indulge in little tricks with each other the teacher noticed their inattention and when they laughed out a little louder than they had intended he called out james henry lay aside your books and go home both of you they were so little prepared for such a course of action that for a moment they remained in their seats with very serious looks in their faces they both knew that the teacher's authority would be supported at home and that their parents would be grieved if not angry at such a wanton breach of the rules of the school as that of which they had been guilty 
Don't dilly-dally, exclaimed the teacher. Go home immediately. The boys passed out of the door at once, and sadly turned homewards, wondering how to make the best of the disaster which had befallen them. You will remember that the school was built on the Garfield farm, and that therefore it was quite near James's home. The sharp little fellow suddenly thought of this, and off he ran as fast as he could. Without being seen by his mother, he reached home and started back again to the school. Then, without a word, he slipped inside and took his seat. Looking up, the teacher saw him sitting there, and never thinking that his order had been obeyed, he called out in a severe tone of voice, "'James, did I not tell you to go home?' "'I have been home,' said the boy quite calmly. "'Been home?' replied the teacher, who was at a loss how to deal with the boy's ready wit in getting out of the difficulty. "'Yes, sir,' he said. "'I have been home. You did not tell me to stay there.' What could the teacher do under such circumstances but tell the boy that he might remain? He saw that James had learned a lesson, and would not again incur the risk of being sent home in disgrace. Unlike many boys, James showed neither a sulky nor a discontented spirit. He knew that the punishment was deserved, and therefore he set about undoing the mischief by prompt obedience, and his ready wit suggested a way out of the trouble. Before he left home, Thomas was anxious to make his mother as comfortable as possible. When he heard that the people of the district had decided to build a better school, he bought the old one and removed it. Then he rebuilt it alongside his mother's cabin. Sunday was regarded by the pioneers as a day of rest, but the younger members of the various families had never even seen a place of worship. Now and then, a traveling preacher called at the settlement, and during his brief stay held a service in one of the log cabins or in the schoolhouse. A journey of five or six miles was often taken to be present at such a service. Whole families in wagons, on horseback, and even on foot, might have been seen wending their way to the place appointed. The opportunities for public worship were too few to be neglected, and the dwellers in the wilderness set a high value on such occasional ministrations. Mrs. Garfield eagerly welcomed the preachers of the gospel who passed that way, and was glad to place the best fare her cabin afforded before the earnest men who braved many dangers and suffered innumerable inconveniences to break to the settlers the bread of life. The Bible was the book of books in the Garfield cabin. Every day it gave the widow and her children the divine message, and on Sundays Mrs. Garfield never failed to do the duty of teacher and preacher to her little flock. The reading of God's book every day, and especially on God's day, was her invariable rule, until her children knew more about the contents and the teaching of the sacred volume than many town children who enjoyed greater privileges and more numerous opportunities. How and why the Bible was written were questions which Mrs. Garfield answered as well as she was able. Why men were wicked, and what hindered them from being good, puzzled James. To him it was a great mystery that anyone could continue to do wrong when God was always willing to help them to do right. At this time a great wave of temperance passed over that part of the country, and James at once questioned his mother about the movement. Living so far away from the centers of population, the lad had no opportunity of seeing for himself the terrible evils of drunkenness. As far as it was necessary, his mother told him of the mischief done by strong drink, and how much better it was to have nothing to do with it. Here again, the self-reliant boy had a difficulty. 
Just as he could not understand how men could help being good, neither could he understand how they could continue to drink when they found that it only ended in ruin. Yet he heard enough to convince him that strong drink was an enemy, and therefore at the early age of eight he became a temperance reformer. Little did the patient mother think that her humble efforts at man-making would produce such grand results, and that she was rearing in that lonely cabin one of the noblest characters the world has ever seen. The motto of the Garfield family was, Through faith I conquer. That motto was woven into the life of the boy. Pure in spirit, prompt in action, loyal in thought and deed to God and his mother, James came to regard the boy, or man who did not dare to do right, as the greatest coward of all. With such a firm foundation to rest upon, we do not wonder that James Garfield's life has been, and will be, an inspiration to young men on both sides of the Atlantic. End of chapter 6 Recording by William Tomko.